swimmers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's guest is open water triple crown holder, FINA Masters World Record holder and inductee of the International Swimming Hall of Fame, Californian Suzanne Heim-Bowen. Hi Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Danielle. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I think this is a fantastic platform that you're doing here, trying to spe- spread the, uh, the news about masters swimming and adults of the mature age, I guess one could say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's a delight to have you on today. Where, where are you um, coming to us from, from in America? Uh, I'm com- I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So kind of a both a pool swimming hub and an open water, cold open water swimming hub um, here in the in the in the US. So are your are your open water options in a river or lake or are you close to the coast? So I'm close to the coast, San Francisco Bay. Okay. Yes. So I, I belong yep. to the, the San Francisco Dolphin Club. I've been a member there for, oh my gosh, over 40 years, something like 42 years. I joined when I was like 18 or 19 years old. Yes, you can do the math and figure out my age. But in master swimming, we all know it, we, we're really happy to get older because then we get to go to a new, we're at the bottom of our age group, which is a good thing for pool swimming. That's true. <laughs> But I, I, I have the luxury of, of having both um, an incredible pond here in San Francisco Bay as well. As, and we have some lakes around our, our area as well as a lot of pools for pool swimming. So um, I can go and I do back and forth between pool swimming, open water swimming, kind of all over the map. Oh, that's mm-hmm. terrific. What age did you get into swimming? Well, my swimming's been kind of an interesting journey, actually. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, of the ocean. You know, with ebbs and you know ebbs and floods. You know, things the tide moves in, it goes out. You sometimes get stuck in back eddies, and that's kind of been my swim career, kind of back and forth, open water pool swimming, and kind of different reasons for swimming. But I actually started as a kid um, way back when. And so swimming has really pretty much been part of my life. Um, It's just something that I do. And uh, I learned to swim through the Y in the YMCA of the Mommy and Me Swim Program, which was fantastic. And then um, my mom wanted to get me involved in a swim team. And And I have to share this memory with you because... Okay. Uh, at about five years old, my mom was really excited. I was a pretty good little, you know, water bug back, back then. And or maybe I was five or six years old. And there was a woman named Ann Curtis. And she was um, a fantastic Olympian. Uh, one of the, was the first female to win the Sullivan Award way back when and won some Olympic gold medals. And she had this little swim team and I was going to try out for it at age six years old. So in I went to try out, I had to swim less than 15 yards or whatever, 10 meters. And uh, I couldn't make it. It was horrible. I had forgotten how to swim. I forgot. Oh, you were nervous. (laughs) 
I was nervous. I forgot. My mom felt terrible. I remember that drive home when I was six and I was upset and crying and my mom was upset with herself because she blamed herself for, you know, not, you know, not having me swim a couple of weeks beforehand to remember how to swim. So there was my start. And, uh, from there, <laughs> from there, uh, I ended up getting some swim lessons and so learned how to swim and swam summer league. And then eventually a coach picked me up at, during some recreational swimming and said, Hey, you want to swim on a little swim team? And so I was eight and I wanted to swim. So fine. And eventually I swam for a few years and I, I have been so lucky throughout my swim career that I've just fallen into these incredible people and coaches who have just supported and helped to guide me and my swimming and also probably me as a person into um, having a, an incredible swim career. I couldn't do it, have done it without them. So I ended up on this swim team and the coach was Don Schwartz, who oh actually God. coached some Olympians. No, yep, Rick DeMont was one of them. Yep, Rick DeMont. Um, and that was the 72 Olympics. And uh, I swam with his team till I was about 12 or 13 years old. And I was just impressed. I remember Rick. And I, for the story with Rick, he had a gold medal and he also had it taken away. Um, and it was a very sad story because, and I knew Rick, uh, he was an asthmatic. He declared everything. Uh, it was everything was up front that he took meds. This was way back when, and the doctors never, I guess, reported it. And oh, uh, yeah, so lo and behold, so he won the gold medal. And then um, they said that he couldn't have the gold medal. And the second place person never took the medal. So, because oh, he believed that okay. yeah, Rick should have, it really was not, his, I mean, everything was up front. So anyhow, but uh, Don yeah. Schwartz continues to be an incredible coach and he's actually a master's and a USA swimming coach uh, here in the San Francisco Bay area. Uh, I'm not in touch with, I mean, I don't swim with him, but he is still in the, he's still coaching. So wow. I quit swimming though, when I was in high school. And I wanted, my path was on a, on a, went, kind of went on a little different uh, jog there, but I um, ran into a, uh, a teacher and he could see my path was not going in the right direction. And so said, okay. Hey, do you want to, would you like to go out for a boys water polo? We you know you're good enough and there's no girls team. So come on down. So I said, okay. So, you know, I knew how to swim. I didn't, and the best thing I could do was just get in the way of everybody and uh, stop the ball. I didn't really know any place or anything, but it was um, fun, you know? And so I just, and he was all for promoting and supporting women and girls at that time. And uh, so that was, I think in the 19, in the early 1970s. And then I also so that was ran, when you were still sorry? at high school. That yes, was when so you I'm were in high school. High school. Yes, so okay. I, I stopped all the, you know, during the seventies they were doing a lot of over distance training up to twenty thousand meters a day, and yes. uh, I just wasn't interested. I was not that disciplined or dedicated. Probably frustrated a lot of coaches. Um, they were good coaches. This was kind of my choice. So then. But I used, still kept swimming. This coach that, you know, could see that my, like I said, my path was 
kind of rock and roll, maybe a few imbibed in a few illegal things as well. Uh oh. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. And so uh, he got me on the right path. So I did boys' water polo, ran cross country. And uh, I'm also very dedicated to my profession, which is education. And I wanted to be a teacher. And so I graduated from high school early and then went on to college. And I wanted to swim there at a four-year okay. college. And there was no women's swim team. Oh, okay. What, what college was that? That was Cal- California Polytechnic San Luis Obispo. There were 16 men's sports and only four women's sports. And this was in the U.S. We have something called Title IX where we try to make it equal, equal sports for men and women. So we did guerrilla marketing and we put signs up all around the school to see if there was any interest. And after a year and a half, we were a club and then we eventually became a team. And we, okay. so we started the women's swim team at Cal Poly because they needed to have more women's sports. Uh, so I swam there and that is actually when I started to swim in the ocean. So I swam a little bit in college because I graduated from college early and I was only able to swim there on a team uh, for two years, which is kind of thankful because there's a whole thing where I ended up going back, to rec- being recruited by a junior college at age 50 to swim. Yes, we have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I ended up, uh, I didn't like the ocean. I did not like the ocean. No, 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 no. Had a little almost drowning accident, you know, got tumbled in the sea when I was um, a kid, five or six years old, and I really did not like it. So so my entry into swimming uh, wasn't real smooth, (laughs) you know, I missed the swim team, didn't like swimming in the ocean, and then all my friends, the, the, the university was on the coast, and they'd all go to the beach, and here I was, a fairly decent pool swimmer, I was actually a backstroker, and I wouldn't get in the, I wouldn't get in the ocean, and they were like, Suzanne, what are you doing? And I'm like, "Mm, no, so they eventually, I guess it was peer pressure, eventually got me in the ocean and I got a little more brave and a little more brave and came up to San Francisco um, and did a race at the Dolphin Club. They had one open to the public, kind of liked it. Um, I'm third generation San Francisco. So my dad grew up and was born and raised in San Francisco, said, Suzanne, you need to you know, do the tradition here, join the Dolphin Club. Okay, okay. But meanwhile, I entered this swim race, a 10-mile swim race, did not know what I was doing back in 79, and uh, thought, hey, this was kind of fun, actually. Something different, different than the pool, outside the box. You're with people. You're not with people. You're with other crazy people doing these swims. You got to go. It's only one event. You know, when you do a long swim, it's only one event, right? You show up to the venue. The venue is usually really pretty. It's on the coast or a lake or something. It's really gorgeous. And it's one swim. It's not like hanging out at the pool all day. So um, I thought, oh, I'll give this a go. So 79 was when I first started. Um, I had my kind of my first 10-mile race and down in Southern California. And then from there, my my career kind of took off for the open water world. 
not for the pool. So I kind of put the pool stuff to the side that I did in college and then started swimming in the ocean and did a bunch of, I guess what you'd call first person swims in San Francisco Bay. And uh, and then we go from there. Well, for someone who didn't like the ocean, you've had a pretty prolific award-winning career in the ocean, haven't you? Because you've done the Triple Crown and when I look at all your swims that you've done, obviously a lot around San Francisco, um, what was the hardest of your open water swims that you um, participated in? Well, mm. That's a great question. You know, what's the hardest swim? Because each swim is really unique. And San Francisco Bay itself is really unique. Now, back in the 70s, when we were in the mid 80s, when we were doing these first person swims, and I say we because it's very cliche, but there truly is nothing solo about so about uh, marathon swimming. You know, it's it's not a solo sport. I, I mean, you're, you've got to have so many people that are just supportive of you. Um, and I'm so grateful for them. I mean, they were so generous for in their what they gave of their time, you know, and finances. But anyhow, so the hardest swim, it, like I said, it's really hard to say. It's San Francisco Bay. You know, they have the Golden Gate Bridge, which is kind of iconic. Many people around the world are very familiar with that. But it's only seven-eighths of a mile wide, so it's less than a mile wide. And you have all this water going in and out, you know, and you have these tides that are that are not like the channel. But, I mean, you still have seven, six, five-foot tides running in and out, filling up 322 square miles. So it's really this little narrow outlet there that's swimming up, just filling up the bay. And the bay has all these islands in it. Now, the reason why I'm telling you all this is it's really hard to do swims there because we could be swimming side by side and depending upon, like if you're swimming uh, near shore and I'm swimming five feet from you, uh, you could be going zippity-doo-dah by me. I mean, right. it, it's, it's very critical where you're positioned and how the water flows according to um, a lot of the islands that are there and the back eddies and the currents and the water flow. And then, of course, you have boat traffic. So, right. so a lot of my so, so the hardest swims in the bay are probably the ones that are so logistically very, very difficult. Um, one of the things that I did that was just, and they, they have something now we had GP, now they have GPS and they have all these yes. electronics yes. that can do all this one, these wonderful things. Well, we didn't have that back in the eighties. No, no. We, had, no <laughs> we had this Bay model, like, you know, this big Bay model that was probably as big as a, you know, a soccer field. And, and you'd go there and what we do is, we'd stick little pieces of, of paper in there in which, you know, would try to time when the, when the ebb and the flow and see where the back eddies were. I mean, there's a lot of pre-planning that went on. Well, the superintendent there didn't like our pieces of paper because they'd clog things up. Oops. <laughs> so he got on board with us and he actually would try and plot, would plot my swims. Yeah, so he oh, would plot wow. our swim. So he would so, so he said, just to keep you out of the bay model, I'll help you out. So <laughs> so he helped <laughs> us out on a lot of the swims uh, logistically. And, you know, you have to calculate my swim speed according to what the tides and the currents are doing. 
And it was, um, so I'd have to say one of the most difficult swims, and it's not all that long, but logistically, it was doing swimming six laps underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and oh, going from and span to span. Yeah. Right. Because you're getting, being pushed one way and the other way. It's like a real intense English channel crossing. Okay. You know, so, so that was, that was difficult. And then we had just recently a um, couple, uh, I think two years ago, I did a round trip Angel Island again. So my six laps across the gate was like two hours, 53 minutes, not particularly long compared to a long, long marathon swim, but it was logistically, it was really hard. I mean, at one point okay. they had to put the rubber boat between myself and the anchorage because the anchorages are all full of barnacles and everything. And I was getting pushed into the anchorage and it, there was definitely concern on people's faces. And when you're at the anchorage, I mean, like you're, and it was like the, the last lap and I had like, you know, 20 meters to go and I had to get past this anchorage. And it was very scary. I have to say, you know, at the end there, I was pretty much swimming scared and for my life going, I'm not going to get cut. I'm not going to get cut. Cause yeah, it was a, that was a scary moment on that swim. Um, and then, you know, a round trip Angel Island that more people are doing. I mean, that swim can be done. I think the record is four hours and 22 minutes, but it can go all the way up to nine or 10 hours, depending right. upon what the conditions are. And, you know, you, and I think, you, you know, you start early in the morning if you want it flat. Um, and there's really, you know, a flat day in San Francisco Bay is a gift. There's always some sort of chop. And, and then you always have critters that your that your mind thinks about or not. You can talk yourself out of thinking about critters. And yes, we do that. Uh, so that was kind of a challenging swim. Um, and then we have other swims that are also challenging where you, um, you know, you get out, you swim for five, uh, five miles and then three miles and then one mile. And you have to get out in between. It used to be called, there was something on the professional circuit called Swim of Champions. And we've done that in the Bay. Um, and right. getting out and just kind of vibrating for, you know, shivering for an hour. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, trying to warm up. So, yeah, so different swims. Um, my Catalina, you know, did the three channel swims. Um, and two were right on top of each other with a three-way relay. I think all within like, 14 days or 16 days. That was crazy way back oh, wow. in 1986. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> then uh, we did uh, then Catalina and that was last year. Um, I think one of my favorite swims was probably swimming around Manhattan. That is a very cool swim. Okay. Yeah. One of my earlier guests said the same thing. He, um, but he was breathing to Rod Watkins. He's done the triple crown as well, but he was breathing to the other side. So when he was coming down that last little bit, um, back to his starting point, he was breathing away from Manhattan and he didn't get to see it all. Yes. Now see, that's what yeah. I tell people. I'm a left sided yeah. breather and that was the way we went. Oh, so I got to perfect. see every little piece of property around Manhattan. It was, and that was a very neat. So I really like that. Now I only did that in 2014 and right. people say, why didn't you do it earlier? And I said, well, you know, earlier I really questioned the, the, cause I'm picky about the water I swim in the cleanliness. Yeah. 
Mm. And back in the eighties, it was a bit dirty. So they cleaned it up significantly. Same with San Francisco Bay. They've cleaned that up significantly. Um, and we're very protective of our waters. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I do a little fundraiser for our baykeeper swims here in San Francisco Bay, uh, you know, to kind of promote, yeah, keeping our keeping our bay clean. Um, yes, definitely. So, uh, yeah, that was a fun. That was really a fun swim. It wasn't too cold. Uh, it got it was bumpy. You know, I got some bumps, and then there was boat traffic, and you have to stop for ferries, and there was a few other things. But I love, <laughs> I loved, I loved seeing you know, you know, and you're moving, and I loved all the bridges because you have to swim backstroke under the bridges. That's well, that's what I say. Oh, why is that? So you see the bridge, you know, you're oh, always your okay. face is in the water all the time. And yeah. You can turn over on your back and then it just, okay, now you saw one bridge down, I think 19 to go. So uh, yeah, I love that swim. Um, and then Catalina was last year. It was last year. Well, 2019 last year was Tahoe, yes. but 2019 yeah. uh, was Catalina and um that was character building. And was I it? Was, what what yes. made that so? Well, um, I hadn't done a 10-hour swim since 1986. Okay. So, yes. So I was like, okay, we're going to, you know, and I had raced 25Ks when I was on the USA national team in the world championships. But those are only, you know, five and a half, six hours. There's a lot of difference between a six-hour swim and a 10 or 11-hour swim. So I wasn't sure of my training. But, I mean, I, I did everything I was supposed to do with my training. But I could say I wasn't sure of my training in my head. So train the brain. Uh, because I hadn't done this in a while. So uh, character building because... Uh, I started out, so first of all, I do get seasick, not when I'm in the water, but um, I'm also a diver, we dive, free diver, and I, when we dive for abalone or spearfish, free, free dive, not with tanks, I, I have to be on the go. I can't just sit in the boat. Like, relays are really hard for me if we do relays. I just, no, I'm not a good okay. boat person, okay? But in the yes, water, yes. I'm happy, happy camper in the water. I'm all good in the water. So Catalina was about a two and a half hours for people that don't know is about a two and a half hour boat ride from the harbor over to Catalina. And you're going to be usually taking off at about 1030 or 1130 at night. So I spent the time, I had headphones on and I kind of sat and it was rocking and rolling, but I was on the, the deck and just kind of feeling like I was just in a rocking chair. It was all good. Um, got in the water and luckily there was another swimmer who had taken off 20 minutes before me, which is nice. It's always nice to have somebody else. I mean, a lot of the long solo swims you don't, but this was great to have somebody else knowing that, okay, somebody else is going to be having fun like I am. So the first four hours of my swim, it was, we had some fairly good rollers, couple foot swells, and there's probably, I'm going to share with you things that probably people don't talk a whole lot about. Uh, yeah. But I did some vomiting uh, for about the first four hours um, and also had it coming out the other end as well. It was oh like, yeah, it was, it was not good. 
Uh, finally, my paddler said, and I had some meds because I was ready for this. You know, I had you had have medicine if you know you're you're uh, vomiting and having other issues uh, pretty violently. But my paddler said, Suzanne, are you feeling nauseated? And I said, No. And this is where remember your crew is so important. Dan Seminelli was there. He's a pilot. He's a kayaker and a swimmer extraordinaire. And this was also his 200th crossing for, for piloting. I mean, yeah, he's wow. pilot extraordinary. He knows swimmers and he knows, he knows. So, and I also felt a little pressure like, oh my gosh, I have to make this swim because it's his 200th crossing, you know? So <laughs> but sometimes, it's, sometimes it's easier to do things for other people than it is for yourself. I so agree. having this pressure, yeah. so having this pressure was probably good. So I'm asking, Suzanne, do you feel nauseated? And I, and I said, no. And then it just like finally clicked in. And for me, for someone who is in the mental health profession, I would gave myself a very stern talking to, and it was all nerves. I could feel my stomach all balled up and I had to, yes, give myself a little talking to saying, knock it off. You know how to do the deep breathing. You know how to relax. Let's go. And after that, all good. And that's yeah, all good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and, and again, I'm thankful to my kayaker for kind of bringing it to my attention. Are you nauseated? And then at the very end, uh, in Catalina, there's a, there's a drop off of, of land and you get this upwelling. And, the, you know, they can explain it to you. But all I can tell you is that the last couple miles, the temperature drops sometimes. And it dropped. Okay. I was like, oh, great. And um, yeah, because that's the last thing you want at the end of a swim. And uh, it was fine, but it was, uh, you know, let's go. Okay, let's get it done. So it was under, it was like a 10 hour, 10 hour, 16 minute swim, which is a good, fairly solid time. And, you know, my English channel swims have all been 1001, 1011, 1025 on all different conditions. So, yes. you know, in each one of those, you ask me what's the hardest swim? Each one of those swims has a story, you yes. know, each one of those swims has a story. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's never a, a smooth sailing swim. I mean, there's always something, no, yeah, there's always some, some story on a swim. And when, when you're gearing up for one of those bigger swims, do you do most of your training in the open water or do you do a mixture in the in the pool and open water? I'm intrigued to know how you train for a longer swim like that. Well, I am. Um, on my first swims, uh, Carol Brighter was my trainer in 85 and 86 in the channel. And I'm a big proponent of, you know, of pool training and interval training. And yes. workouts of 10, 12,000 meters. Um, and then I would supplement, you know, that would be in the morning. And then I'd supplement with another um, workout in the bay for an hour and a half. And then, now this is in 85 and 86. And, you know, where I'm a lot younger. And yeah. then, <laughs> uh, yeah, because training has changed since the mature in years things happened. So, yeah. uh so, but I am a big believer in interval training um, and training your brain, you know, monthly 10Ks in a pool for time, even a 15K in the pool for time. 
and then supplement with six or seven hour swims. Not a whole lot of those, you know, maybe one six hour, one seven hour swim, but then that's gearing to my speed. So if, if somebody was, it depends what your speed, if your speed was faster than me, then you might not have to, and you're only going to be, your English channel is probably going to be an eight hour channel, an eight to 10 hour, as opposed to a 10 to 12. And, you know, you have a little bit more to play with as far as not doing as much, but if you're going to be spending uh, more time in the water or people even swim doubles, then we're talking about some pretty hefty times in open water. Now that's ideally. And then when I was training for the USA national team and for the 25 K's, that was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of pool training because one, it was going to be warmer water. So I didn't need to acclimate. And two, uh, the level of swimmer in those, in those 25 K's, um, at national, at national and world levels, uh, is it's about speed as opposed to, um, just making it. Yeah. And just having a good swim. Now, that being said, <laughs> uh, with last year when I did Tahoe 2020, because of pandemic, there was no pool swim. And oh, okay. right. And um, I was scheduled just to do the width, which was fine. It's good to start off that way. And, but because of the timing, they long, they, because of the timing, they, and they couldn't, you couldn't have so many people on the boat and the whole, the whole thing. And so, so I was, that got canceled, but they had an opening for the length and I'm like, okay. And that was in August, which is okay because some of the restrictions were lifted temporarily, although now we're back on lockdown, but, um, yeah, so, so, but I had no access to a pool. Okay. So what to do? So I started in April and that training was solely done in open water. You know, I would do two hour swim, then a three hour swim. Then, you know, every day was consistent with like an hour and a half to two hour. And then I would, I believe in training the different systems, you know, do the VO2 max, do the long aerobic, do long, easy distance days, do pace days. So, I mean, I had it in my head, you know, what my speed should be you know, okay, today I'm going for a four hour swim. All right. Well, that's going to be a long, easy distance day. Okay. I'm only going for an hour and a half. Well, then you're going to need to, um, you know, amp up your um, effort there. So that's when, so that was really interesting training. And I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it because I was with a lot of people and my buddies out in the open water and it was so much fun training with them. And they were training for incredible goals, double this and, you know, the solo over here and ice swimming over here. It was so much fun, you know, knowing that they were out there in San Francisco Bay with me, you know, we were all doing, you know, having our own personal goals, but they, you have somebody else out there training with you. I also noticed that my recovery was better and I didn't stress my body out as much with, and so my training wasn't as intense as it would have been if I'd been training in the pool. However, I was, I knew I was slower than how I, than I would have been if I had trained in the pool. How much slower? I don't know. Does it make that big a difference? 
No, not really. I don't know if it makes that big a difference. But the level of enjoyment that I got from the training, and as you can tell, I really like to train because I love the discipline. I love the process. It's good to have a goal. It's great to achieve your goal, but I really love the discipline and the process. I think that, to me, is where I derive my most enjoyment from my swimming because it's my time to myself. So when I did Tahoe, um, you know, it was my same, my crew, Sylvia Lecoq and Brian Timmerlin from Pacific Open Water Swimming. And, you know, it was just them on the boat with an observer. And uh, Sylvia had been on my Catalina swim. I had done other swims in the bay with, with, with Brian and Sylvia. Uh, And they, um, they said, Suzanne, you're, you can pick it up now. And this is across Lake Tahoe. And I said, you know what, guys? I don't want to. The water's warm. It's 67 degrees. It's, there's, I'm, I'm swimming in the heavens because you're at six or 7,000 feet elevation. I'm sorry. I can't go metric on you right off the, right off the top of my That's head. Okay. Down. <laughs> That's but, but you're swimming at elevation. I'm, I'm up in this incredible, I did a little backstroke, looked at the stars, it was, Suzanne, you can go a little faster. Um, I'm okay. I'm having a good time. And they're going, okay, Suzanne, this is all good. So that was, um, that was a really a lot of fun. I think that was 10 hours, 51 minutes. Uh, my feeds there were, because people ask what you feed on. Uh, Sylvia said I ate more applesauce than a kindergarten class. I don't know. I must have been into applesauce. <laughs> but um yeah so that was a really that was last year I mean it was great to have my swimming just to have it just to be able to swim because swimming is so important during this time when you're locked up and yeah and you don't have access to a pool luckily I have the the bay and to be able to have a goal like that and be able to you know put all that training to use was a real gift and I was just so grateful to all my swim buddies and because um, they would come in when we when I would be doing, you know, four or five hour swims. Hey, you want to come in and do an hour or two with me? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd, and it was good. And we don't I'm not I'm known as not a chatter. We swim. I don't chat. No, yes. no, no. I don't chat. It's face in the water. Um, the, the bay water is. For me, I like to keep swimming and don't like to chat because it can get a little chilly there. It usually, I think warm is about 61 or 16, but usually it's in the mid 50s. So, yeah. But you can still, if you've got someone there beside you, you don't even need to be chatting. You've got that person there and you can still look at them when you breathe and you can have a bit of a, you know, a bit of a look on your face and you know that you're there together doing it. I think that's a really lovely part of the open water swimming community, the master swimming community in general. I love it. Yes. And just, and knowing that, like, remember when I said in Catalina, just knowing that somebody is out there with you is just so motivating. So motivating. Yeah. You can do it by yourself because you have the discipline and you've been training by yourself, but it just makes it that much more pleasurable. Um, Yes. I had uh, well, I had a on one of my English Channel swims. I had a a pace swimmer, Phil Rush, and uh, he had was just I think he had just completed a triple channel, and um, 
and it was so nice to have him. I've never had pace swimmers before, and it was really nice to have him come in and uh, and kind of you, you, when he comes in, when, when a pace swimmer came, comes in, it definitely up my game. It's like for, okay, oh, that's nice. I'll get going again, get you going again. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I love the analogy that you used um, right at the start of our chat when you were talking about your relationship with swimming being ebb and flow like the ocean and different parts of your different times in your life you've done the open water swimming and the pool swimming and I, I just wanted to have a bit of a talk about your master's pool swimming. Um, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Because you obviously started out as an open water swimmer, and which is a lot of a lot of uh, master swimmers start out in the pool and then move out to open water. So you've sort of done the the reverse to that. How did you get into the uh, master swimming community in the pool? Well, and that is true. I've done it backwards, and um, so I'd always I'd swim in the pool for my open water swims, right? So in 80, so 85 was one channel swim, then 86 was two channel swims and the three-way relay. 87, I quit in the middle of the English channel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, I quit and uh, I kept going back because I wanted a faster time because like I said, each swim that I had done in England, we'll, we'll get to your, get to your, how I came to pool swimming. Yeah. But- <laughs> That's okay. But the circuitous route, which has been my swimming career. So, uh, so then, um, and the reason why I quit is because I was feeling sorry for myself. I did not have anybody. I thought I, you know, I knew everybody over there in England. They were great people. They crewed for me, but I was homesick and I quit. I just didn't want to be there. And I had had a rough year in training the previous year in 86 because I did two solos and a three-way relay and then jumped right back into training and did not take time off and was very, very sick. You know, I kept being sick. I kept trying to force a square peg in a round hole. And, it, and, I, and I, you knew you need to take some rest. You know, um, you're not invincible. Even at that, you know, whatever age I was, you know, at, um, you know. 30 years old, you know, I wasn't I'm 28 years old. I still, you know, you still have to rest. And I didn't do that. And that was a lesson learned, sort of learned because right. I tend to overtrain. In 88, <laughs> yeah. I, re- I pressed reset and uh, somebody said, hey, there's this 25K swim um, over down in Southern California and happens to be national championships. I said, okay. So I started training pretty intensively again with an incredible coach, Pete Rakovich. He also was a he had coached some Olympians as well. Right. And he said, Suzanne, I know nothing about open water swimming. And that's where my friend Carol Breider came in. And uh, she really helped to fine tune some of my open water training. And I ended up making, so I made the USA national team and the world championships were over in Lake Geneva and there was a width over there. So we were swimming the width from Lausanne to uh, Evian. And okay. yeah, and I think that's about 18K. And at that point in time, I was like, okay, I was in excellent shape, ready to, you know, ready to really put the hammer down and go. And at World Championships, it's a lot, it's, it's way different. And I knew Shelly Taylor, and okay. Shelly 
Yep. So there's a Shelly Taylor story. And I knew her. She was on the pro circuit and she had done, she's really, oh my gosh, she's, well, you know, well, no, she's done some incredible things for women in professional marathon swimming, marathon swimming in general, as a coach, as a person, as a motivator, just incredible. So I knew Shelly was going to be there and she was still, uh, I mean, she was just beginning her, her career as far as being absolutely amazing. So this was kind of the start to springboard her and springboard her career. Anyway, so this swim was very interesting. We get off the boat, we all find our boats and we start the swim. And all of a sudden within 20 minutes, all these bells and whistles are going off and they stopped the swim. And and that's what I said. Why? What's going on? What's going on? And some, you know, some of these people didn't speak, other swimmers didn't speak English and we're in a lake, right? We're in a lake. And one of the, well, they're all, they're younger swimmers. I mean, I was like 28, 30 years old. And one of the younger swimmers says, is there a shark? Is there a shark? Shark, shark. And I said, no, 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 no shark. Lake, sharks, no lake, no, no no sharks. And we could, I still don't even know why they stopped the swim. Anyhow, then they restarted the swim. All of us were all all over we nobody started in a straight line it was chaos on that start some started (laughs) ahead some started behind anyway Shelly and I got off we were head to head for a while and then about the last mile my team my team says Suzanne sprint like it's a mile sprint well long story short Shelly just put the hammer down and went there she goes. And she had, she won, she, I think she was second overall, um, and beat me by like three or four minutes. Uh, and, uh, she got, won the gold medal. I got the silver medal. Uh, I was very proud and it was just, it was, a, it was great. It was amazing. It was amazing to meet her. It was awesome. And, uh, that was my Shelly Taylor. Oh my gosh. Excellent competitor, friendly, you know, friendly competition. I love that. Yes. So 88 and then 80 and then 89, I ended up going to New Zealand for University of Auckland in New Zealand. And I hooked up with a swim team there. And that's okay. where I started to go uh, to go, get more involved into swimming. I did swim some open water swims over there. Um, I think the third day there was bring a toto to Auckland. You know, keep the palm tree on your right and the water tower to your left. OK, you know, I'm straight off the plane. <laughs> And I ended up um, doing very well in that swim. And, but I was in the, in the pool then. So I was doing a lot of training. I actually went to their, their New Zealand nationals, not masters, but, you know, but then I also did masters with them as well. So I did both their nationals and master swimming. So two different kids swimming in the masters, but that's where I got. So about 1989, 1990, I started to move over into pool swimming and my mom wanted to swim with me and go to pool meets. And she had just started to swim. Yeah. So, and so she started, she never was a swimmer, but she got interested in this, how many laps you can swim in a mile, how far you can go in an hour. And so she got really interested in it. And so we would go to swim meets together and I never really liked swim meets. And I remember we went to my first nationals and I didn't realize it, but we were supposed to be there an hour earlier, which is a lot different. And she missed her event and I felt so bad. It was our first nationals. But mom says, that's okay. That's okay. But I had the most fun. It was going, you know, being able to do something with your mom. So I, I started about in 1992, really. I mean, I had always been a member of, USMS Masters 
since, you know, 19, I was one of the first in their, you know, 19 to 24 before they even said you can swim. Uh, they didn't allow 19 year olds. So way back when, I mean, I, I did master swimming, but I really um, wasn't, I was more involved in open water swimming. But in the 1990s, I started to become more involved in the pool swimming and of course, swimming distance events and um, going to world championships and, uh, and things just kind of kept evolving. I ended up moving to an area and outside of San Francisco and hooked up with another incredible coach, um, Ray Mitchell with the Terrapins. He actually coached Natalie Coughlin. And we, I remember, you know, we train in the same lane together, but of course that, of course that's when she was 12 years old. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, and, um, yeah. So from there it's like, okay, well, you know, mom would kind of actually was my big, biggest cheerleader. And she would say, you know, let's go to this meet or let's go to that meet. And then my husband um, was, a, we were diving buddies and he's a water polo player and he was going to go to Sheffield, England and play water polo and at the world's. And that's where I came along. And then uh-huh. that started everything going. So <laughs> we actually decided, well, do we want to like destroy a friendship and start dating? And we go, okay. So then we ended up getting married. So that was oh, that world championship. Yeah, he's world. Yeah, he's quite a character on the water polo scene. But anyway, so yes, that's that. So then I started getting more involved with master swimming and attending world championships. And I had an incredible breakout meet in in uh, Rutgers when I was 45 at the U.S. Nationals and Shane Gold was there. And of course I knew of Shane and her incredible swims. And I had, like I said, a breakout meet. So I swam the 1500 and ended up breaking like the 200, the 400 and the 800 meter record all within that 1500. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, and I'm one, I, I didn't realize Suzanne, Hey, did you do that? I'm like, Oh wow. That's really cool. So so I didn't realize you could do all that on one swim actually, but I guess you can. Right. <laughs> so, um, so Shane was there and Shane, so I, so I, we kind of chatted a little bit cause she's in the same age group as I was. And then, okay. so then we, we ended up meeting again in Perth. And I think that was somewhere around, uh, the like 2000 and, I forget, 2002, 2008, somewhere I think it was. 2008, it? I was in Perth. So we're there, and uh, I was still swimming pretty pretty well at that time, pool swimming. And and, and Shane and I and, Jan, and Jenny Whitley go to head-to-head in some races. And uh, I won, I think, most all the races except for um, the 50 free. I actually got third in that one. And Shane and I just had the best time chatting. And she said, Suzanne, have you said, right? We're supposed to be competitors, right? But again, you know, I'm in so in awe of Olympians who have the guts to come back into master swimming for the love of the sport when they know that people, oh, you know, I, I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. You know, like, I do. I agree with you. Yeah. And I just think I have the utmost respect 
for, you know, and of course for Shane as well, because she's just such a class act. She's, Suzanne, you haven't seen the beaches. Come on. So we skipped out of there and we ended up body surfing for a while uh, and then came back and then swam another race. Yeah. So she's, yeah, a class act. And again, you know, how, being an Olympian to come back into the sport or to stay in the sport is, is pretty amazing. And it speaks a lot to her um, personality and, you know, the love of the sport. So um, that's my Shane story. But then again, I ended up, again, I stayed with the pool swimming. And then in 2010, so that was 2008, my husband was coaching water polo at our local J junior college. And the coach, the swim coach said, hey, we need a distance swimmer. You think your wife would be interested? And Phil said, I don't know. I'll ask her. And I said, oh, I'm too old. They go, no, you're 50. We need a distance person. It's not about age. It's about time. Okay. And I still had eligibility left because remember, I told you that way back when you're at Cal Poly, I only had two years of being okay. on the team. So that's how I was able to come back and to be uh, a part of a junior college team. And I have to say, it was a lot of fun. It was a little strange yeah. when they're singing happy birthday because people turn 21. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it, was a, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was swimming for, for speed, for points. It was, um, you know, yeah, it's about the time, but it's really about you got to swim as a team to win. And we ended up going to state. Um, I ended up getting third in state in the state of California for the mile, which was, you know, at age 50, I, I people were like dumbfounded. Nice. And so was I. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I just kind of, well, I, I don't, you know, I just kind of go with the flow. You know, just go. Okay. Well, when opportunities present themselves, let's do it. Let's see what we can do. And again, I say it's we because it's not, it's, it's, Everyone who has supported me, and there have been a lot of people supporting me uh, to try and achieve my goals, and I, yeah, I can't do it without them. I mean, that's plain and simple. You really don't realize how much you need people um, to be supportive of you when you're doing these endeavors. Absolutely. But then, and after when I was, and when I was, so after that, we had some. I uh, both parents were pretty sick. And as the ebb and flow goes, swimming kind of took a back seat for competitive swimming. Um, I had both parents pass away in 2011 within six weeks of each other, which was really difficult. Yeah, but the devastating. one thing that stood, stayed, yes, but the one thing that stayed was swimming. And it wasn't for speed. I would drag myself to the pool and just have mindless swimming, sometimes swimming with tears, but just to swim for that peace, for that time to myself. So that's kind of where, how the pool swimming, so kind of moved from the, you know, the competitive stuff. I hit New Zealand, get more involved with the pool swimming. And then mom kind of got me really involved because, you know, it was something that we did together and we really enjoyed. I got to, she swam the mile and I got to say, go mom. It was really fun. And then no, that's, uh, a, that's a lovely story that you did with your mom. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
Uh, one of the, it was very interesting. One of the, the swims before uh, in 2010, we went to a nationals here and I won the 500 and she won the 500 in her age group. Oh, and she had yeah. homostatic colon cancer, but she did it, wow. you know? And, and I think, you know, when people ask me what, who my role models are, I mean, some of my role models are like the old timers that get in the bay at, yes. you know, at age 85, 90 years old, and they haven't missed a mm -hmm. day of swimming in the bay, yes. in the cold water, in the winter for years, yeah. you know, and that, that, those are my inspirational people, you know, not, and not the speedsters or when I'm out there swimming and I'm training and there's somebody that I know that's going to have like a 15 hour swim ahead of them and they just keep at it, man, like, good for them. You know, I want to be right there clapping and cheering them on. And those are my inspirational people, you know, um, that to me, those are, I hope that, you know, I can be there one day <laughs> swimming still into the, into the age because it's such a healthy sport for different reasons. So swimming good can go from competitive to my marathon swimming, which is just for myself to racing, you know, for the USA, um, you know, it's for racing for a college team, for racing for this, but not racing to just have peace of mind for that time to yourself. So that's kind of where swimming has been all over the map for me, yeah. but it's always been there. I think that's a, that's a lovely way of thinking about it. And I think during this whole COVID pandemic that we've had, a lot of people have realized the same thing about swimming when it's taken away from you and you can't do it because you're in lockdown and then you can get back in the water, whether that be in the open water or the pool, just being able to swim and just let go and it's meditative. And I've, I've spoken about this with quite a few people we've had on the podcast um, and I think a lot of people have that similar thought where you can just let go and your mind gets a rest. You're not able to be contacted by anyone. You're under the water. It's just you and your breathing and the water flowing past it's just a beautiful way of being able to spend a few hours each day. Do you ever feel like that? Uh, yes, and that's why I do it. it. It's it's my time, my precious time to myself. Agreed. That is my time to myself. And it's very important, I think, for everybody to have something that they can have their time to themselves and, and get away, you know, get away from their, you know, put it on a trouble tree, you know, get away from whatever's happening and to just be, well, as you say, in the, in the present, you know, that you will just be. Um, and sometimes people say, well, what do you think about on your swims? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, the first three hours are usually pretty rugged because my brain is still going, but then I really can't tell you what I'm thinking about. Yeah. You're, uh, I can't tell you. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I might, I mean, sometimes I come to, I might count my strokes by a thousand and I might do some little math games for the open water swimming, you know, like how many strokes per 50 meters and how many meters and, you know, I'll do all sorts of silly things, but mm, there's a good chunk of time that mm, I couldn't tell you what I thought about. The time just went by. And that's that meditative state that you are, kind of talking about yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I could just talk to you all day, Suzanne. You've got so many wonderful stories to tell. The fact that you are a freshman, were a freshman at 50, I think is an amazing story. And we've, I haven't really touched on the fact that you've had a little short film made about that journey. Um, I'll, I'll make sure that I put that in our um, podcast notes so people can look it up and, and have, a, have a look at that. But how long does that little short film go for? Uh, the short film, it's, it's 54 minutes, uh, and, it's, and it's really not all about me. It's, it's actually kind of, uh, people have said, and it is one of few awards, uh, awards um, inspirational, because it has my mom in there, it has other, you know, it has college kids in there, and what they're trying to achieve with their goals. And uh, yeah, it, it was a, like I said, opportunities present themselves, I'm like, okay, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope everyone that's listening today gets a chance to have a look at that because I really enjoyed watching it as well. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your amazing swimming journey with us. Um, it's been a delight to speak to you and um, I wish you every success and um, accolade moving forward. And um, thank you for joining us today. Well, Danielle, thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. I kind of love to share my story, and it was nice that you invited me on your podcast. I'm I'm uh, very appreciative of it. Thank you. Wish you all the best. And here's to some happy miles, or here's to some happy laps. Yes, or happy kilometers, as we say in Australia. <laughs> happy kilometers, that's right. Okay, bye, Suzanne. Thank bye. you. Okay, bye-bye, Danielle. Bye. There you go, Bob. Thank you for listening in today. We hope you're enjoying our podcast here at Torpedo Swim Talk. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Like, rate, share and spread the word. Till next time, goodbye and happy swimming.